Hey, thanks so much for taking the time to listen to this podcast from Vital Point Church. My name is Ron. I'm the pastor here at Vital Point. We believe that it's important for people to explore and grow in their faith. And my hope, my prayer is that this message that you're listening to will draw you closer to better understanding how you can live out your faith journey in the everyday life. Sit back and enjoy. Well, good morning. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Amy and I'm the connection coordinator for our Poplar Hill site. And I also have the opportunity and so humbled by being able to be a part of this incredible teaching team we have here at Vital Point Church. This has been such an awesome summer as so many different members have been coming in and participating in this series. And it's such an honor to be able to serve alongside them. Um, it's just so encouraging to me. And I know that as I've been talking to so many of you, how much this series has been encouraging you as well. We are actually in our last couple of weeks of our Discovering Jesus series. If you have been tracking with this series, you know that this has just been so awesome for us as a community. And if you are new, I encourage you to go back and to listen to some of them that you've missed. Um, as I've been reflecting on this summer series, I'm so grateful for the conversations that I've been having of people sharing with me how this series has actually really truly been drawing them closer to Jesus. There's been this underlying theme throughout this series that Jesus has been beckoning us to come closer to him. For some, he's introducing himself for the first time through these I am statements. And for others, it's been an opportunity to rediscover who he is for themselves and to lean in closer. We've been working through these statements that Jesus makes when he says, I am blank, um, all made in the book of John and so many people have been messaging me and, and conversations that I've been having just around VPC of those who have been challenged by this series. Some are reestablishing that routine of spending time alone with Jesus. And a few have reached out to me how coming back into this routine of, of sitting and being intentional to meet with Jesus, that when they have opened things up to read, it has spoken right directly into their hearts. And, and that's a big piece of who Jesus is. He's able to speak right into our situations. He's a personal God and desires to encounter us. So I encourage you to continue to lean into this as today we talk about Jesus' very last I am statement he makes when he says, I am the true vine. So we're going to read that together here. And if you have your Bible with you, awesome. If you don't, no worries. We'll put it up on the screen for you. But we're looking in John chapter 15, and we're going to read verses 1 to 5. So Jesus says this, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, I actually encourage you, if you can, later today or sometime this week, to actually take time to read through John chapters 14 and 15. And if you're really feeling like an eager beaver, and go for it and read 16 and 17 as well, because this is a really special time in Jesus' life. It's a really emotionally charged moment where he's giving the disciples some of these final instructions, letting them know that he is going to be leaving them. And in the midst of all of these things, he uses this I am statement, I am the vine. 
He spent 30 years prepping for this ministry that he would have here on earth. And then three years of intensive teaching and ministry, performing signs, wonders, and miracles, and then spending really intentional time with those that are closest to him that we refer to as the disciples. They were this ragtag group of people who had been by his side, those who had responded with a yes when Jesus asked them, asked them to follow him. Now I can imagine too in this moment, the fear that these disciples were feeling as Jesus was talking about leaving them because he had come alongside. They were just doing their thing and he had flipped their world upside down. The teaching that he brought was unlike anything they had ever heard before. And the miracles and the signs and the wonders that they experienced and they themselves participated in were unlike anything they could have ever imagined for their life. But I also imagine Jesus in this moment looking at them looking at each of them, knowing their life, knowing how far that they've come and knowing that they would be the ones to bring this incredible life-changing message to so many people, something that would ignite a movement that would change the world forever and is still changing and transforming lives today. But I also wonder about how he looked at them, knowing what it was going to cost them because of his great love for them. He would have felt probably great amounts of compassion for them and care for them. And so in the midst of all of this emotionally charged time in Jesus' life with the disciples, he uses this metaphor that he is the true vine. And now that image of vine, a vine was really popular in Jewish culture at that time because the vine had represented Israel, God's chosen people. So these people were descendants of a man that we get to read about in the Old Testament, whose name is Abraham. Well, he started out as Abram, and then as God um, worked with him and came alongside him, he actually changed his name to Abraham, you know, just to make it a little more confusing for us. And now when I was a teenager, someone asked me once a question and asked me if I could meet anyone from the Bible and have a coffee with them, sit down with them, who would I meet? Now, I have so many questions for so many people that we get to read about in the Bible, because sometimes I wish I'm like, hey, can we fill in the blanks a little more? And and would love to know more about their life or that situation or the context that they're in. And I'm especially so curious. There are so many incredible stories of women who followed wholeheartedly the Lord. And I would love the opportunity to just sit and to listen and to learn from them. But there is something about Abraham and his story that has always captured me, even as a young person. Because when I read his interactions with God, there's just this like really deep sense of intimacy that he has with them, with the way that God speaks to and interacts with him. And there's even moments where where God lets him in on what he's about to do. He shares with him and Abraham in turn gets to have this kind of conversation, go back and forth with him about that. We first encounter and read about Abraham, who's again at this point still Abram in a genealogy account at the end of Genesis. I know those can be hard to read through, but there's some really special things that happen in them sometimes. And so Abram, we see, has married a woman named Sarai, who God would also rename Sarah. And they're un- they're barren. They're unable to conceive. And now there's so much actually going on in this text, in this section, that I wish we had time to dive into today. But for the sake of our conversation, um, we're going to stick to God's first recorded encounter with Abraham. So Genesis 12 begins like this. It says, now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Blessed. 
So this interaction that Abraham is having with God, Abraham is actually probably about 75 years old when God says this to him. And then in verse four, it says, so Abram went and as the Lord had told him to. So at 75 years old, this man and his wife, who have long given up on the possibility and the idea of having a family of their own, they go and they leave everything behind based on this impossible promise that God has given him. But as the account goes, we know that miraculously they conceive a son. And what a great reminder I think it is for us today, that irregardless of the stage of life that you're in, it is never too late for God to call you and for you to have an opportunity to say yes to him and to follow in the way that he would have you to go. I think of one of the most actually impactful baptisms that I've ever experienced was my husband's great, great, I think, uncle. I think that's who he was. Um, um, but I, in his seventies, he chose to follow the Lord and to be baptized. And it was one of the most precious baptisms that I've ever experienced. So please know it is never too late. But here we see generations later, God is faithful to his promise that he makes to Abraham, that his descendants would become a great nation. Now, such a great nation that as we talked about a few weeks ago, they found themselves enslaved in Egypt because the king, the pharaoh in Egypt at that time was so intimidated by them, by the sheer mass of people and did not want them overpowering his own nation. So his response to that was enslaving them. The psalmist talks about the journey the Israelite people had when he writes, you brought a fine out of Egypt. You drove out the nations and planted it. You cleared the ground for it, and it took deep root and filled the land. The mountains were covered with its shade, the mighty cedars with its branches. It sent, it sent out its branches to the sea and its shoots to the river. So God had intended to establish this nation of people that would be great, yes, in number, but also in the presence of God. They were his people. And as he said to Abraham, he would use them and desire to use them to be a blessing to all the people around them. Now, this Hebrew word blessing that we're talking about here actually refers to being a source of blessing. Blessing to speaks to God's favor and protection in our lives. And now this doesn't mean we have to understand that nothing will bad will ever happen to us and that everything will just be perfect. You will always be happy because that's a false narrative of what God's design and desire is for us as we live in a world that is broken. But God's blessing does promise us protection for our souls, favor from God, knowing that all of our hope and our trust can be put in him because he cares for us, because he sits on the throne. God wanted to use Abraham's people, his family, his heritage, the generations to come to bring this favor and protection to all people. But let's be honest here. People can be the worst. And the Israelites were no exception to this. When we read in the Old Testament, they have a very sordid and wild history, just to say it politely. And because of sin, they constantly fell short of God's design and desire and purpose for them to be a blessing. Isaiah says this, he says, let me sing for my beloved, my song concerning his vineyard. My beloved had a vineyard on a very fertile hill. He dug it and cleared it of stones and planted it with choice vines. He built a watchtower in the midst of it and hewed out a wine vat in it. And he looked for it to yield grapes, but it only yielded wild grapes. And now, O oh, inhabitants of Israel and men of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard. What more was there to do for my vineyard that I have not done it in it? 
When I looked for it to yield grapes, why did it yield wild grapes? Now, I love this metaphor that he's using here of wild grapes. It might my my new phrase of like, why are you acting like a bunch of wild grapes? But when you read Israel's history, wild would certainly be a word I would use to describe them at times. But God had established this group of people to be a vine that would be a blessed nation that would experience the presence of God, experience his protection and his favor and a nation that was to bring him glory in these things. And the intention was for them to be a blessing to those around them. He did unimaginable signs, wonders and miracles for these people. He gave them a law that was so drastically different from the lives and the way the people that lived around them, one that would bless them, one that pointed to a way better way of doing things. But over and over and over again, they messed it all up because they decided that they wanted to chase their own desires. Over and over again, they say, no, we want to be like the nations around us. We want to be how everyone else is instead of leaning into God and, and his way of doing things. And so because of that, chasing after their own desires, they neglected God and the way that he wanted to live. And Romans talks about this when it says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And boy, ever did the Israelite people do this? Did they ever fall short of the fullness of the representation as image bearers to represent glory of God to the people around them? And let's be honest, we, well, I can speak for me, maybe not for you, but I certainly constantly fall short of the glory that God desires for me to be here on earth, a representation, a reflection of him and who he is. But Jesus... But Jesus, he walks into the scene to fulfill this promise that was given to Abraham. Jesus come, comes and says, I am the true vine. The true vine that would be able to do what simply being a descendant of Abraham could never do or accomplish. Because this word true, it's the opposite of what is imperfect, defective, or uncertain. Certainly those three words describe to the people of Israel, those wild grapes, right? But Jesus was the opposite. Jesus was the fulfillment of what they were so incapable of doing on their own, as they would so often stray and chase after their own desires and what they wanted. But in Jesus, we find him to be all of these things. Jesus is perfect. Jesus is effective. And Jesus is certain that when we attach ourselves to Jesus as our life source. When we trust him with our souls, with our lives, he perfects what is broken. Jesus, the true vine, is effective in sustaining you and giving you what your soul so desperately desires and needs. And Jesus is certain because he has always been, he is right now in this moment, and he always will be. And that is what he, the true vine, offers us the branches. He's the true source of spiritual life that affects our every action and we cannot attain this outside of him. And so then knowing this, Jesus is our true vine, the sustenance, the source of life, then we abide, we remain. That word abide talks about continually waiting on. So we sit in this moment of abiding. We don't go looking to other sources for our identity. We don't go looking to other sources to find purpose and meaning and healing and hope in our lives. No, we abide in him. And what's even so much more special about this is we're not alone in this. We attach ourselves to him as a branch, but he gifts us a community to be a part of, 
as others who are also attaching themselves to him, drawing on him as their life source. And it can be so incredibly beautiful when it is healthy and growing and thriving. Yes, the church can be messy at times, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. Because again, we end up being wild grapes once in a while, choosing to go our own ways. But Jesus is so faithful and God is so faithful to trim us back, to bring us back to that truth and that root. And community is a big part of who we are here at VPC. Because we're all created for community from the beginning of time with Adam and Eve, the intention was for us to live in community with one another, to live in perfect relationship with one another and perfect relationship with God. And while we're on this side of eternity, yeah, we're still going to be imperfect people, but we are passionate here at Vital Point about journeying with people, about seeing them get connected through serving teams. You can find community and connection through that and giving opportunity for you to use the gifts that God has placed inside of you to bless others. Over and over again, as I talk to people who are a part of serving teams, I so often hear how actually they're serving, although it seems like, oh, I'm doing this for other people, but in turn, it's actually bless them. So I challenge you this fall as we head into the fall to prayerfully consider where you could maybe be a part of a serving team and step into that. Another great opportunity for us to experience connection community here at Vital Point is our connect groups. So I encourage you again this fall when they relaunch, prayerfully consider joining a connect group. Yeah, it's a sacrifice to set that time aside one day a week and prioritize that. But it's an incredible opportunity for you to come together with other people who are exploring and growing in their knowledge of Jesus and come alongside them and they can walk with you as you ask your questions and explore these things about faith. I know I'm not just saying this because I'm the connection coordinator. Yes, that is my job title, but I say that because I have truly seen the difference that it has made in my own family for my kids to have connection and community through serving, through being a part of Sunday morning gatherings and other things that are offered for them, VPC students and all the fun stuff that we have going on. And I've seen it in our own lives as as me and my husband are part of a connect group and how that has stretched and grown us and given us opportunity to be real with other people and us in our own serving. It's just so awesome to be a part of what God is doing here at Vital Point Church and to play just even a small piece of that. And so what's also so incredible about this community when we attach ourselves to Jesus the vine is that it goes actually so far beyond VPC. Jesus, the true vine, has made his followers truly into a great nation, one that is all over the world. Right now, in this moment, there are millions of people all over the world that have said yes to making Jesus Lord of their lives, to submitting to his lordship, and who have surrendered and devoted themselves to walking in the way of Jesus. Even better, generations and generations before us that have gone before us have made that choice that we get to walk into, and generations to come those that are in VPC kids, those in VPC students, and those coming up behind us, they're just now right now learning what it means to say yes to Jesus. And then there's even more in what Jesus is saying in this I am the vine passage. There's a promise that we read in his words when he says, I am the vine, you are the branches, whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. I don't know why it's worded like that. It's very awkward. But anyways, he it is that bears much fruit. Now, remember back to the promise that God had given to Abraham that I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great so that you will be a blessing. The purpose of God making Abraham into a great nation and blessing him and making his name great wasn't just to make Abraham the it family. 
to be you're on the outside, we're on the in, but it was so that they would be able to bless others. When we attach ourselves to Jesus, the true vine, we are blessed by him as our source because we're blessed with his spirit and his presence in our lives. And we're blessed with a community that we get to walk with, that we get to do life with alongside, a family that transcends time and space. But the purpose of all of this is to be a blessing. It's not just for us to be all comfy cozying and holding hands and singing kumbaya. I don't even know if anyone sings or does that anymore. But anyways, that's the picture I have in my head. But because of the gospel, the good news of Jesus, yes, it's about you, but it's about so much more than you. It starts here with us, but as we experience God and Jesus and experience his blessing in our lives, experience the healing and the wholeness that he has to bring, it's for us to go out. Because if we're truly abiding him and he in us, he's given us that gift of his Holy Spirit. And so we can't help but bear fruit because abiding in the vine means that everything that we do, we do in partnership with Jesus. Every single task, whether it's mundane or whether it seems super spiritual or not, we're partnering with Jesus in it and we're able to be a blessing to those around us to produce fruit, spiritual fruit that feeds the needs of those we encounter and rub shoulders with where we get to say, hey, come and taste and see that the Lord is good. Last year, we did this series called How to Win at Life that was based on um, the fruit of the Spirit of God at work in our lives. And Galatians chapter 5 outlines this by saying, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Now, you cannot convince me that someone who shows and exemplifies these characteristics in their lives that they are not a blessing to those they encounter. That someone where love is evident, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, someone who has those things and exemplifies those things in their life, you cannot tell me that that person does not bless every single person that they encounter and that they're around. And so as followers of Jesus, as those who choose to abide in him, then also the spirit comes and abides in us. And so these things should absolutely be marked in our life. They should be evident to all those we encounter in our lives. And not only that, but we should be continually growing in them year to year. Can we look back and see I'm growing in love. I'm growing in peace. I'm growing in joy despite any circumstance I'm experiencing. Now in our family, we live in a townhouse condo. So because of that, we don't have to do any snow removal or landscaping, which is really awesome and very selfishly satisfying on a very cold winter day when you wake up early in the morning and hear someone else shoveling your driveway. It is fantastic. Highly recommend. Um, but we were the first to be in this. We were there when it was built. And so they landscaped the front for us and they planted this really beautiful hydrangea tree out in front of our window. Um, and I appreciated this tree, although it was small, it did produce some really beautiful blooms over the years. And it took a while for it to really kind of gain traction, you know, like grow and produce really beautiful blooms. And sure enough, after a couple of years, it was doing really well. And then one time we came home only for me to discover that the landscapers had trimmed this tree back so much. I was absolutely horrified because I was just thinking like this tree was just starting to do good and you just like cut it all off. But again, there's a reason why we don't do our own landscaping because I do not know what I'm doing. My green thumb is very much lacking. 
Um, but I was so worried about this beautiful little tree. But I distinctly remember when spring came the following year. I was absolutely shocked by how much it had grown, how many more blooms there were on that tree. And so then in that moment, I understood that principle of pruning. Now, some of you may be rolling your eyes like, yeah, Amy, I'm like, oh, I'm just, again, not very green thumb oriented. But in the same way, as followers of Jesus, as those who choose to abide in him, we can't help but produce fruit. But as we produce fruit, God is going to come alongside to prune us. It's what we can describe in church world as our process of sanctification, just means our process of journeying to become more like him. He comes along and he cuts away the things that might not even seem bad or the things that are not producing fruit in our lives. He may ask you to lay down things for a season. And let's be honest, it can be quite painful sometimes. It can be times where we don't really understand why we're going through this or why God would be doing this. But what he is doing this in this moment is he's growing our capacity to produce more fruit, to be more fruitful in our lives. And so I have a sense today that some are listening who have maybe gone through a difficult season, who I, I describe that and you're saying, hey, I think that might be me. Where it's maybe been a little more painful and you've been pressing into God and trusting him with it. You've experienced his fruit in the past and, and maybe it's a dry season for you right now or or a season of just going through a hard time and, and you are attempting to persevere well. Your desire is to persevere well, to seek God in the midst of it. But God has been using this season in your life to grow your capacity, to grow your ability to produce fruit. And it's not for yourself. It is for those that you will lead. Because I believe that there are a lot of leaders in our community right now that God has been preparing to step into positions where you are going to be able to serve people in a way that you have not been able to in the past. And so I want to encourage you today to not be afraid, but to trust God to trust God as you partner with him, to persevere well through this season, trusting that maybe, just maybe, he's using this season to prune you back a little bit in order for you to have greater capacity to produce more fruit. Because as we grow and trust God and our mission and vision here at VPC, to be a multi-site church, to reach thousands of people who are growing, exploring, and their knowledge of Jesus and commitment to his church, we definitely are going to need leaders. We're going to need leaders who know who Jesus is to them and who trust him as their source and as their identity, who know what it means to abide in him and him in them. And now there are others today listening that I mentioned before at the beginning, who've been tracking with this series, you've been leaning in, who you're just beginning to understand or once again, remind yourself of what it means to have Jesus as your source for everything. And you're just beginning to see this fruit. I want to encourage you today to keep going. Don't be satisfied. Continue, press in, trust God, submit to his pruning when it comes along, when he cuts those things away or asks you to lay down things that are not fruitful to your life. Trust him. And not only will you grow in your faith, but because those that you will encounter, those good works that he's prepared in advance for you to do, you, they will need that spiritual fruit that he has to offer through you and through your life. And then there are others that are maybe new here today. Maybe this is the first time you've been talking about Jesus or had an understanding of him, or maybe you're just starting to explore and grow, or maybe you've been away from church for a long time and, and looking to be a part of a church again. If that's you, I'm so glad that you're here. I'm so glad that you're listening to this. And I want you to know that it is Jesus' heart to bless you. 
to have you know what it means to have his favor, provision, and protection in your life. Provision and protection for your soul, healing for your soul, to bless you in a way that only he can, to bring you to that fullness of the picture of the image that you were created to be, a reflection of him and who he is that is unique to you and your life. He wants to bless you with a community that is going to walk alongside you. And so that's going to take a step of bravery and boldness on your part as well to step into allowing people into your life and into your space and ultimately allowing Jesus access to your soul. Because Jesus is able to redeem anything that you have been through and he's able to use it to bring light and hope to others around you. And I truly believe, and when I read this, I know it to be true, that nobody Nobody is a lost cause in Jesus' sight. And so you need to know that today. I have a few things for us to consider as we wrap this up. A few questions for us that as we've now walked through this understanding of, of Jesus, the true vine, and what that means for our life and his intention and purpose behind that, I have a few questions. Is Jesus your true vine? Can you really truly say that he is your true vine? He is your source and your sustenance. Is he the one that you abide in? Do you know, do you know and understand and experience that blessing of what it means to abide in him and him in you? Are you trusting him to produce fruit in your life that only he can produce that he wants to use to bless those around you? Or have you even considered or do you believe that God does desire to use you, to use you to be a piece of bringing his kingdom here on earth? to be use you to be a reflection of him and his glory, to bless others, to see them come to the knowledge of who he is, to see them healed, redeemed, restored. We have an invitation to all of us today to be a piece of this fulfillment of this promise that God made hundreds and hundreds, many, many, many years ago to a 75-year-old man and a barren wife. We have this opportunity to experience the blessing of God by experiencing his presence in our life, experiencing him as our source, as our sustenance for everything that we need in order to bless those around us. And so the invitation for us today is simply this, will you abide?